Amos chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth, and turn aside the way of the afflicted, a man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Amos is a lot less popular now, Greg. He, uh, this, you know, this poor Judean farmer has come into town and we liked him at first because he was talking about all these, all these wicked other nations that are doing these terrible things. And it got a little awkward yesterday because he was talking about Judah, but you know, like that's Judah is like dicey with Israel. You know, we did split off from them. So Mm -hmm. like we're okay with them getting some judgment, but now he has turned straight to Israel which is, you know, he left Judah uh, to come down to Israel to prophesy. And I think this is where the cunningness of Amos and the spirit of the Lord within him is displayed is, you know, I like to think of like a little spiral that Amos is drawing, you know, for the mathematicians out there, a little Fibonacci spiral. (laughs) Um, That's the only thing I remember from seventh grade. And uh, basically he, he's kind of going around these many, enemy nations of you know damascus the the ammonites the edomites uh and then he gets to the neighboring nation of judah and he's getting closer and closer and he's kind of like riling up the people like yeah yeah the lord is going to come in judgment the lord is going to come in judgment and then amos takes the finger and just points it right at the people and says and you you know israel and and we're actually going to find all the other judgments of the Lord have been uh, basically two or three verses, um, you know, just like a handful of lines and like one stanza per nation. And the rest of the book of Amos, which is not that short, uh, the rest of the book of Amos is going to be about Israel. And so I think that that's definitely like a way that the Lord works is to mm-hmm. use, you know, I read Matthew 11 yesterday, but it's like to use the sins of other nations that we would actually like easily or other people groups or other whoever that we would easily like relate to and, and be like, yeah, like they're terrible. And then point that arrow directly at our heart. So we're in Israel now. All that to say we're in Israel now. And we're going to see that he goes immediately for how they treat marginalized people mm-hmm. and how they actually uh, trample on the poor, even in their worship of Yahweh, uh, which completely negates the entire thing. So, Greg, um, the great con man, Conley, what are your thoughts on Amos 2? Uh, I mean, this is. This is where it starts to get tough. Mm-hmm. I think you know, like uh, you know, the previous passage about Judah had to do with l- the laws and statutes of the Lord. It's, it's a much more broad category. Same with the other kingdoms. When we start to get into Israel, he starts to get specific. 
Mm. Um, and I think this is where, especially as modern Western Christians, you start to get uneasy and start to get a little, you start to get a little hot under the collar and think like, you know, when he talks about selling the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, you trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted. I mean, how many people who are poor or afflicted do you drive by in Atlanta every day? Uh oh. I mean, and, and and that's just a that's just a very easy example. Mm. But I mean, this is not um I think that, you know, if you say to yourself, well, look, like, you know, I, I mean I I help people out. I, you know, um, I, you know, I, I give to, to, to various you know ministries that are helping out the poor in, in Atlanta and around the world. I don't want to discount that, but I also want you to, to think about the way that I, I'm sure a lot of people in Israel were not necessarily aware of how much this, um, this unrighteousness was embedded in their society. Mm. And so you're even passively taking part in it. So for instance, um, I would assume that most of us have some type of smartphone, mm. um, and the, um, batteries in your smartphone, but one of the the compounds that go into it is mined from coltane. Coltane primarily comes from Central Africa and it is almost exclusively mined by slaves. Mm. Um, there's almost no really righteous way to get it, yeah. which means the very thing that sort of it's for some people controls your day, mm. it sits in your pocket, is the result of exploitation of the poor. Mm. And so there really is no are no innocent hands. There really is no way to step away from this. This is a societal thing. Yeah, and I think that is scary. Because he's not addressing this as like you know, uh, you know, um, you know, Ezekiel over here <laughs> did this to a poor person. He's saying you all did this, yeah, right. You've all trampled the heads of the poor and the needy, and mm-hmm. it's the way that your society is structured. I think that this reminds me of Ezekiel sixteen, which is one of my favorite passages of scripture, because it sort of talks about the way that God finds the uh, Israelites as like a baby on the side of the road, and he mm-hmm. saves them, and then that's a really beautiful passage. Uh, it's only about like the first third of the chapter because the rest of the chapter, God goes into all of the things that the Israelites have done mm. to betray him. Mm-hmm. And it's really a heartbreaking passage because it sort of lays out how God feels about his people walking away from him. And then you realize as as a sinner, as people who have sinned, we've all been a part of this. And mm-hmm. how much it breaks God's heart to walk apart. But in, in part of it, he starts talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think it's interesting you brought up Sodom and Gomorrah yesterday. Um, because he says, um, uh, uh, as I live, declares the Lord, this is Ezekiel 16, 48. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. Mm. Um, and obviously there were other sins going on in Sodom, but it's interesting that in Ezekiel, who's coming after, of course, the judgment, right? That, that sort of we're discussing about Judah and Israel, that God's like, we're really, what, one, of the, one of Sodom's chief problems was they had all this stuff and they still trampled on, on the people beneath them. Mm. And I think that Dang. as Christians, as Americans, like do, on some level, do we trample on the people beneath us without really thinking about it? You're not intentionally trampling on people, but the way that you live your life, the way that you conduct yourself, mm. right? How important are money and things to you mm-hmm. how much how much are we um are we setting that aside to serve our brothers and sisters how much do we esteem people who have lots of stuff mm. um and i think that you know um god is very angry about that and that's tough to hear it's tough to it's tough to think about um but it also comes down to starting to see people the way god sees them and that god doesn't place greater value 
on people because of the things that they have or the things that they do or things like that. He places value on people because they're image bearers of God. And so they all have equal dignity and worth. Mm. And that what's happened here is these people have ceased to respect their fellow human beings the way that God has called them to, at least with respect to the way that they're treating the poor. And I think that as as modern day Christians, it's a it's a scary thing to think, am I Am I doing that a little bit? Am I disregarding my fellow man? Thomas on Tuesday night talked about Sermon on the Mount and talked about the, you know, not to call your brother a moron. Mm-hmm. Talked about that essentially what you're doing is in your head, you're sort of beginning the process to murder, right? You're sort of disregarding them as being equal to you. Mm. And how often do you do that? Not because you call someone a moron, but you just sort of let let that pass by your way. You're just not really interested. You're the, we are, not, not you, but we can be the, the people in the Good Samaritan where you just step to the other side of the road and you're like, that's a messy situation. I don't want to deal with it. And mm-hmm. what you're doing is disregarding human beings and not showing the love of God, not stopping the way Jesus would have stopped. And I think that's a, like you said, the minor prophets are uncomfortable. And I think this is the beginning of the uncomfortable yeah. thing for yeah. people who live in a prosperous society. Absolutely. I mean, that is so good. I think the question that it kind of raises for Israel and for us is, are you associated with the things of God? Or are you captivated by the mm. things, controlled by the things of God? And like the reason I say that, it's not just like a cute little, you know, blah, blah, blah thing to say. But, you know, one of the fundamental truths of the Bible is that humans are sacred, mm. that God created them male and female in his own image. And so, you know, and, and it's like that, that kind of like that it passages a good example of why like, Christians can't be misogynists because mm-hmm. you actually, if you're controlled by what God says about people, if that controls how you view other people, then everyone that you see distinctly and uniquely images, reflects, uh, you know, bears witness to the character of God. And so the problem with Israel is like that they're going about these religious activities with wine that has been, you know, unjustly taxed, unjustly taxed and, and fined. And so, you know, we, we have to like be very holistic and, you know, it's tough. Like it's not, it's not an, a, a easy like thing that we're offering as a counter of like, Oh, like use a phone that doesn't use right. coltane or right. like, you know, give like a, apartment lease to like every homeless person that you drive by like co-sign on a right you know apartment in Peachtree Hills with everyone you drive by <laughs> that that does not fix anything but we have to be in pursuit of these things we have to exactly. be in pursuit of these problems that grieve the heart of God mm-hmm. and another thing too I think we should be supporting people who are deeply involved in pursuing those like some people are more gifted and more intelligent in dealing with those issues than others. And we should identify those people and support them, but we can't just throw money at people and feel like we're automatically aligned with the heart of God. We can't just have a compassion international child on the fridge and think that, you know, that like exonerates us from, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, frankly, not caring. Yeah. You know, that it it should actually be like a deep concern of ours Mm -hmm. that the justice of the society that we live in should should be something that is of great importance to us and that we should spend time thinking about these issues like you should not spend more time thinking about immigration law and like you know the kind of these conceptual like 
economic policies, that should not be of greater concern to you than justice in your society. Those things weave into justice. So like, I'm not condemning that, but we should be people who are very concerned with justice. And, you know, two reasons. One, and primarily, is that it brings joy to the heart of God. Mm -hmm. And it grieves the heart of God when we don't. Mm -hmm. And it angers the heart of God when we don't. And so that is like the paramount reason. And what stems out of that is that also the world is watching. Yeah. And so, you know, I think like there's, I've seen some articles that like kind of make fun of people. Like they're like satirize people who are making like shipwreck of their faith and are deconstructing and everything. And it, it kind of just like makes fun of that whole movement. And that like makes me really sad because a lot of those people are great friends to all of us. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they're just responding to, and not that they're like in the right, but like they're responding to the failure that they've seen yeah. in these areas. Yeah. And so the world is watching. And if the church smells like, and looks like, and feels like justice going out into the world, mm-hmm that is going to have a different effect than if it just feels like religious piety backed by nothing yeah. that impacts society positively. Yeah. So that is that is a heavy word. And guess what? We're only going to put more plates on the rack. Can I add something? Please, I, please. I, I like to please. add something. And I think that's something, if you're sitting there and you're going like, what do I do? Like there's all, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? And I think like what, what Will said's correct. We're not telling you to go do a specific thing to throw away your iPhone or uh, you know, start building houses for everyone you see. Mm. But are you praying for this? Wow. When I was when I was uh, getting ready to take the to lead the parish missions team, we were going through John Piper's "Let the Nations Be Glad." Yeah. And one thing, one of the questions in there, one thing that I, I mean, you should ask yourself this question too. But do you pray for the lost? Does your heart cry out for the people that don't know God? Is that a regular part of your prayer life? And maybe it's specific people. Maybe it's just everybody. And you're like, you desperately desire for these people to know God to be reconciled to him. Are you praying for that? So when it comes to things like this, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to injustice, when it comes to these things, are you are you praying for people in the world who are subject to famine, to to poverty, to warfare, to pestilence, to all these things? Or does your heart cry out for them? And I think that if, if you're really looking for a practical first step and you're like, I start praying yeah. for these things. Start praying that that God, ju- his justice would roll like a river. Mm. Pray that 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 people would not only experience God's justice, but they experience Him as well. And I think, to me, that's like start there. You, you, your heart is in that position, and you're crying out with the heart of God for these people. And I think that is that is the the beginning of 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 whatever that looks like for you, whatever your talents are. Gosh. But be praying for these people to know God, and that they also might experience His mercy and His goodness. Dude, that is so good. Um, we have to start by singing the Lord. That's Super powerful. Thankfully, I'm not convicted by that at all, Greg. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't feel like that is directed straight at me in any way. No. Um, yeah, that's a great word. Just pray pray for justice, mm-hmm. and the Lord will open up doors for you to be a part of it. Don't be stressed, but, uh, but seek the Lord. All right. Well, it's only going to get heavier, but it's only going to get better, and uh, we're going to find Jesus in Amos as we move forward. So, with the great Greg Conley the beloved capital man of Christ's covenant. This is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. 
I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.